0: This Wellness Couch podcast is brought to you by The Wellness Couch. for
1: crying out loud, don't tell them all of our secrets. There's a very special announcement coming up, folks. Go to the Facebook page, go to Instagram at The Wellness Couch, or better yet, go to thewellnesscouch.com, enter your email address to sign up for the very
0: special announcement, which is coming. Ah, you're killing me, Marcus. Today's show is brought to you by Rich Nutrients, New Zealand's premier provider of nutrient-dense whole food products. One of my current favourites is their organic beef and turmeric bone broth powder, and the reason for that is it's so convenient you don't have to go through the whole process of actually making bone broth, and it's super tasty. If you visit their page, richnutrients.co.nz, click onto the shopping page and you'll find a Best Me tab. Under this tab, you'll find all of the products that I use and recommend. Now, as a Best Me listener, you have the opportunity to receive 10% off all orders over $30, which is a pretty decent discount. All you have to do is enter the Best Me discount code at the checkout, which in one word is BESTME, all in capitals. I hope you enjoy their products as much as I do. You can also find me at HealthFit Collective, which is exactly how it sounds, a collective of health and fitness practitioners, including physiotherapy, psychology, nutrition, we have movement coaches, personal trainers, massage, and much more. Our goal is to guide your dreams to reality, and we do this both within the club and online, offering tailored health plans, small group training, specialist services, corporate wellness and education. So please go along and visit the page healthfitcollective.co.nz to find out more. You can also book a free 30-minute consultation with no strings attached. Welcome to Best Me Radio. I'm your host, Carl Hammington, and I talk to experts in many areas, including movement, psychology, nutrition, as well as other inspiring people who have done extraordinary things, all in an attempt to provide you with the information, inspiration, and tools that will empower you to step into the best version of yourself. Welcome back, everyone, and I hope you enjoyed the last episode with my good friend and business partner at HealthFit Collective, Greg Wrightfitz. Um, it seemed to be a really popular show, and I got a lot of good feedback about that and um, I hope you enjoyed his storytelling as much as I did, and it was just laced with you know so much wisdom. Um, I learned a lot about it myself and i 've known him for years. <laughs> um, if you haven 't already listened to it, then you may want to head back and have a listen to that one, as I think it 's a really good chat Now, onto this episode, I feel like this is such an important one as it sort of encompasses you know everything I talk about on the show. Um, and it proves beyond doubt that one size doesn't fit all, and you know I explore with Dr. Cam the science behind it as well, uh, in terms of movement, you know it could be type frequency patterns uh when to move is very different. Um, food is a big one that a lot of people are excited about here. Um, again, what uh food is suited to you when uh, frequency cognition. And, you know, how to maximize your brain's capacity. Um, again, uh, you know, when and how and for different, you know, biotrends or different uh, genetic types, I should say, uh, can be complete, completely different. You know, for me, for example, um, I'm designed to be explosive in terms of movement and uh, cognition, really high frequencies, but I need a lot of downtime. Where someone like Cam, who's a bit of a, you know, call him a crusader, He can maintain a a medium to high intensity in terms of his cognition and his movement. Um, So everyone can be really different. Uh, And it really sort of explores that one man's medicine is another man's poison. And kale is not good for everyone. (laughs) In fact, it can be terrible for certain genetic makeups. Oh, there's quite a nice little gold nugget. And I guess this really helps explain why exercise, certain exercise plans and certain diets just don't work for some people. Um, and you know you can continue to fight your biology and get nowhere, or some people you can train harder and actually go backwards in terms of fitness, for example. Same with your food, or you can find what genetic makeup you have, um, what your life has done to you know switch on these good genes or bad genes or off, <laughs> and then you know develop a plan to maximise your potential based on your genetic profile and your life thus far. Um, We're actually about to launch this at HealthFit um, and we have a a waiting list building because a lot of people are excited about this. Um, So get in contact if you're interested. You can email me at carlithealthfitcollective.co.nz or make contact, you know, through social media even. Anyway, please enjoy this episode as I'm sure it will resonate with many. Dr. Cam McDonald studied as an exercise physiologist, dietitian and nutritionist. He went on to complete his PhD looking at lifestyle change after cancer. He works as a practitioner conducting personalized health genetics programs for individuals. He's a health speaker and motivator. He conducts health change programs as well as training other health professionals as Australia's director of the PH360 program. Cam is a real health crusader with a constant thirst for knowledge and a strong vision to create a healthier and happier planet. Welcome to the show, Cam. Thanks for coming on.
1: So great to be here, Carl. Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> Pretty excited to jump into this now we've got a lot to get through, and being the crusader you are, I'm sure we'll get through all of it <laughs> so first of <laughs> all, just so people can get to know you a little bit better, can you please talk us through your journey and what led you into health and also to this point today?
1: Yeah, cool well, I'll give you the um the whole story in in brief format so you don't <laughs> all fall asleep um. <laughs> but it's amazing how things all sort of come together. My my beginnings, my old man was a dentist uh, and so he had a really strong kind of that scientific approach, I guess, but he was still doing stuff that was a little bit off center uh, and was really looking at how the bite actually changes, you know, your endocrine, like your endocrine system with moving different structures around your brain. So from this very early on stage, there was this holistic approach to health that was part of, you know, my, my home environment. And then, Interestingly enough, my mum ran uh, a healing center in the town. She was known as the Pink Witch uh, <laughs> in my very small country town in, in Gundagai. Wow. And with that combination of uh, the science and the emotional health, I got really, really interested in um, how those things were passed on through generation. Because, you know, with, with mum's side of things, we'd have these incredible practitioners come through that would talk about you know, generational emotional damage and how it influences one after the other. Uh, and then at the same time, you know, dad had now seen a number, a couple of generations of, of individuals come through his practice and there actually be changes with their mouth structure and their health based on the work that he'd done very early with them. So there was this really strong uh, idea that <clears throat> what we do now really influences our future. And then, so when I, when I went through school, I always enjoyed sports, I guess, and then Doing my exercise, I was finishing up Year Twelve, um, and I was looking at what I could do, and I saw this exercise and sports science thing. I said, "Well, I like sports, I'll do that." <laughs> and then I, I booked in, booked in for that. I took a year off, and then I didn't have a better idea of where I wanted to be, so I uh, jumped back in. And then <clears throat> two awesome years of socialising at uni, and then third year, <laughs> had one of one of the most influential lecturers of my life, and he explained diabetes in such a way that made it so tangible to fix, to actually reverse. And I was thinking, gee, well, that's what I want to do. I want to be able to <clears throat> reverse diabetes. And and all of a sudden, exercise physiology got really interesting. Mm. Um, and so as we headed towards the end of that degree, that was four years, in the last few lectures, there was all this stuff about nutrients and metabolism. I was thinking, well, <clears throat> if I want to fix diabetes, I'm also going to have to know a bit about food as well. So I started applying for dietetic master's courses around the country was literally on a plane the next day to the Gold Coast from Sydney. Um, had an interview, got accepted, and, uh, in within a month, I'd actually moved to the Gold Coast, did my master's of dietetics, where I learned so much more about the, mm-hmm. the metabolism and how it works. Um, was lucky enough to land a job in a hospital working on a cardiac ward where I got really interested in omega-3 and inflammation and was really interested in exercise and inflammation. Mm. And so I uh, jumped into a PhD where we were looking at um, breast cancer survivors who were consuming omega-3 and plus or minus exercise after treatment just to see what effect that had on their body. Wow. And during, during that time, I got really interested in brain health because omega-3 is really important for your nervous system. Mm. So all of these things were just circling around my brain as to, you know, the (laughs) exercise and nutrition, the specifics of inflammation, how that influences body composition, how that influences brain function, um, and started working in private practice at that point as well, doing my PhD, and uh, I interviewed, I was actually running a a dietetic company while doing my, my PhD, and I was interviewing to get a job for one of my sports dietitians and the interviewee interviewer uh, was asking me a bunch of questions on this full panel interview. I've never seen anything like it for now. I'd have a job ever um, And I started talking about genetics and epigenetics because uh, I've been reading some really incredible stuff about how what you do in one generation influences the next three. Yep. And I was thinking this is this is it. This is the stuff that I was learning about you know way back when with my mom and my dad. Um, this is the stuff that validates what they were seeing, and yeah. I started talking about that in the interview unprompted and I uh, was saying that we we 're ten years away from any of this stuff happening and that was in two thousand and thirteen um, so wow. the interviewer at that at that time had just spent the last ten years dedicated with a international panel of of researchers and and scientists and clinicians putting together the world's first epigenetic platform that was fully furbished into the mental side of things, which is all the brain interest stuff, the nutrition side of things, exercise protocols, and then even far more expansive into the environment, how that influences things, the social side of things, even what work your brain is designed to do. And all of this was just so much more detailed than what I could have ever thought. It turned out that this guy um, had just put, just finished the last few algorithms to launch the platform and I was talking you know in 10 years time he said well it's actually available today would you like to start using the science and I said look whatever I have to do to get access to this I will do so just sign me up Um, and so for the last four years I've seen about 500 clients in practice now I've taught over a couple of hundred different health professionals from functional medicine practitioners right through to um, uh, Dietitians, uh, ancient medicine practitioners, uh, personal trainers, exercise professionals of all kinds, and um, uh, it's been so uh, confirming for me. And you know, probably one of the more frustrating things, just to finish this little this little monologue, is looking back now at my PhD, where I was really doing my best to create the best environment that I could for my intervention. Arms um, so was a six month <laughs> intervention with these guys, and I realise now that. Omega three and the type of exercise and the type of food that I was prescribing to these people was very specifically good for a very small percentage of that study, and the yeah. rest of the study that the typical breast cancer survivor weren't weren't appropriate for the research that I was doing. At least, it's not what was going to get their best result. And now I can see that so clearly in my mm. results. Yet at the time, it was a there was a no a no significant effect because there was so much genetic difference and uh, in in the population that I had. So now i've I've um, absolutely privileged to be working with some of the world leaders in in epigenetics and be teaching incredible health professionals around Australia New Zealand, and then over in Europe and the states as well uh, just so that we can really change the language around this health and make it about the individual rather than about you know generic recommendations
0: that's great what an what an awesome answer to that and I think you pretty much uh, summed up by our interview so <laughs> <laughs> no, we're taking a little uh, step back. I'm going to get to the program soon because I think it's just absolutely fascinating and it's a game changer as well. But um, for the listeners, can we can you please explain to them uh, what epigenetics are and why it's important to consider?
1: Perfect. So uh, epigenetics is literally means around or upon or around your genes. Um, so they talk about an earthquake epicenter. <clears throat> it's what happens just around where the, the earthquake happens. Um, so we have epi, epigenetics just means the things that's happening around the DNA. What we need to understand is that our DNA never ever changes in our body. It's always exactly the same. But what does alter is whether that DNA is in the on or off position. And so a, a perfect example for that is if, um, you go, in, if you walk into a fridge, you get really cold and you start shivering. What's happened is, the DNA that codes for shivering has turned on in response to the environment, and and then your body starts shivering because your body sets off a cascade of effects, hormonal, mm. neural, all sorts of stuff that says I've got to warm up here. So you start shivering to get your metabolic activity up. That's a gen- you, your DNA expression changes, and that's yep. an epigenetic change. Nothing's actually changing within your DNA, yep. but the but that on button is actually turning on for shivering. But then you walk into a sauna. Those shivering genes now turn off, and your sweating genes, for example, turn on. Uh, and so, whether we're talking about, um, you know, smoking during pregnancy, you turned on genes that actually stay on for the next three generations. Mm. Uh, whereas if you drink a coffee, uh, your genes turn on and will stay on for maybe the next eight to 24 hours. So, there's this difference. It's all epigenetics, but some epigenetic changes are very hardwired, like those that are happening as us as an embryo yep. versus those that are happening in our day-to-day when someone annoys you and you get frustration mm. that's also an epigenetic change as well but it can last for as long as you want to stay frustrated for so uh that that's probably the range of range yeah. of stuff that happens and uh, what we need to know is that it, our epigenetic changes create our phenotype and that's effectively how our body behaves how our body looks how our body acts
0: yeah yeah that's great um So some of the triggers for, some of the epigenetic triggers, um, obviously you mentioned uh, nutrition and environment or um, uh, environmental stressors. Um, Other things, including what thoughts, um, environmental toxins, I'm guessing as well, perhaps? Exactly. Uh, Certain chemicals. uh,
1: Your body is a a victim to the environment. So 95% of the, the diseases that we have right now 95% of all diseases are actually related to the environment, not your genes. So, yep. um, the environment is everything. Environment, it's the environment everything. Of, yep. of what's in your mouth. So the food that goes into your mouth. It's the environment of the how, how strong or how much stress is being placed on your muscles. So exercise. Yep. It's the environment of your chemical toxicity. It's your social environment. It's your work environment. Every single thing. That has an influence on your stress levels, which is effectively everything in our environment yeah. has a potential to change your genetic expression. And yeah. this is what's so important that we might look after our food and exercise really well, but we've got a job that we hate or a relationship that yeah. we're not happy in, and that can actually cause disease.
0: And that I could imagine, if you know, if these um, you know environmental triggers are constantly on as well, imagine what sort of effects they can have on our health long term. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Precisely. That's great. So you mentioned um, some twin studies um, before. Could you please touch on, on these?
1: Sure. So um, when we're talking twin studies, uh, a number of them have been done in, in exercise, but also uh, even psychological profiling and also in nutrition as well. Yeah. So um, what they've done, they've taken uh, pairs of twins and they've given them exactly the same amount of calories and and they've actually overfed them. They've said, right, what happens if you overfeed people by exactly the same amount, but they've got different genes? And what we see is that some twins actually don't gain any weight, and other twins gain an enormous amount of weight for exactly the same environment. And Mm. so this is where genetic difference actually has a huge role in how we're going to respond to the environment. So not only does our body respond based on the environment, but we respond differently to other people as well. Same deal goes for... Psychological profiling, things like that. We know that if generally uh, people with a, a less muscle tissue and less fat tissue, or with a lower BMI, they'll be much more uh, have much, many more neurotic tendencies. And this isn't a bad word, neurotic. It's yep. just a level of you know how much you think and uh, how much you uh, concern yourself with the details, effectively. Yep. Whereas people who have got a different body to that, uh, you know, the, the the twin studies have shown that. There's uh, less of that going on. So twin studies really help us understand, they help us take genetics or help us understand genetics um, because twins often act very similarly when they're exposed to the same environment because they've got the same genes. And so it really helps us understand the range of changes that people experience.
0: Yeah, that's great. So let's go come back to the pH 360, um, which I think is a fantastic um, system. Can you please talk us around about how that actually fits into epigenetics and, and perhaps why uh, people might want to think about considering it?
1: Sure. So uh, in brief,
0: the <laughs> big to, question.
1: Uh, in the, yeah, I know I'm taking a deep breath before I answer <laughs> this one because it's uh, it's normally I, I, I talk about this for three days nonstop and still that's, <laughs> that's never enough. So I'm going to make it. The five-minute uh, version. Three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um PA360, in short, is a a, a web-based platform where you can actually take very, very specific measures of your body and answer very, very specific medical questions, objective questions about your health and and about your genetic uh, expression. So like the color of your eye, length of your hair, or not length of your hair, but like how your, your hair falls, the color of your hair, the condition of your skin, the color of your skin, all of these things are related to genes and hormones as are... Um, different anthropometric measures, so the, the length of your jaw, the size of your head, the thickness of your neck. You can do all of these measures uh, with a health professional um, or uh, by yourself before you work with a health professional on the information. It takes around about 35 to 50 minutes to do all of the measures. And this platform actually calculates the genes that you have, your current health status, and hmm. also probably the most important thing for this is that it actually gives you the information that you need to turn the right genes on mm. and the wrong genes off. So what um, specific
0: most- to genetic- you as well.
1: well yeah, exactly. So um so I've done around five hundred clients uh, now with this profiling and there's not been one person with the same list of foods. Of course, there's been some mm. similarities, but what we see very specifically is that when we can quantify a body uh, in very specific terms and understand uh, its genetic and hormonal information, which is you know two of the sciences that are included in pH 360, uh, we can then get very, very tangible outputs of um, of exactly what this body needs based on best, best evidence. So some of the other sciences that are included that are actually accounted for in the measures include embryology, which is a very, very important mm. science and one that we often don't think about.
0: We'll Endocrinology
1: that is a... Yeah, absolutely great. Uh, endocrinology, as I said, which is uh, the looking into hormones, which hormones really determine or put an influence on our body as to how our body develops physically, how our mind develops uh, behaviorally, and also the diseases we're predisposed to as well. Um, we also see nutrigenomics accounted for, epigenetics, phenotypology, exposomics, which is the environment and how much exposure you have. There's another element called geomedicine, You know, where you are in the world and what season it is actually has an influence on how different bodies respond. Uh, It actually then goes into the ancient medicine as well. They've really put a huge amount of effort into researching everything before up until this point in time with the latest science. So we have these incredible principles from Mm. ancient medicine that when they're cross checked with, uh, when they're cross checked with our current genetic sciences, we start seeing a much more detailed, a much more specific, and much more accessible answer mm. to these questions.
0: A lot of um, overlap there as well, isn't there?
1: Huge amounts of overlap. Yeah, that really
0: and surprised me.
1: We have, you know, you know, three or four separate continents that have come up with a very, very similar model mm. of health through observation over thousands of years. I mean, there's there's got to be something in that. And even recently, I was having a chat to a um, an Aboriginal elder, and they were talking about their portion, their, their way of looking at health as well. And it actually follows a very similar model to Hippocratic medicine, to oh, wow. Ayurvedic medicine, to Chinese medicine. It's, and with these, these guys were completely isolated, you know, many, many thousands of years ago before we even sort of knew about Ayurveda. So, um, the, the consistency of the observation is something worth checking. But now we have the benefit of actually checking against genes as well, checking against actual blood levels of hormones. And they've done that with over 15,000 people inputted that data. And now we have a very objective way of measuring what a person's body is doing, understanding uh, what needs to occur in order to put that person back into their best health. And so, um, that's as simple as I can make the PH360 platform. And, and, you know, we're just very, very fortunate to have this technology right now because yeah. really the, uh, the future is on our doorstep right now.
0: That's pretty exciting times. Um, mm. How many studies, just out of interest, are uh, integrated into the algorithms? Or is that constantly changing?
1: It's constantly growing. Uh, they, they use um, uh, uh, an AI technique called uh, deep learning, where yeah. it's yep. um, in some way facilitated by computers to data gather and then um, overseen by some human elements as well to make sure that what the machine says it should do should do and so it's constantly gathering data on the la- latest evidence and mm. then as we gather more people and as more people actually put their assessment in and are qualified at the research level uh the algorithm actually grows and so um this it's a it's a learning system and so when we're talking about the studies that then inform what we're talking literally thousands of studies yeah. uh, that inform why a particular food is appropriate for a particular person at a particular time of year yeah. and you know the most amazing thing is that all this evidence is actually out there right now but the difficulty is in the synthesis of that information yeah. and um you know even the best health professional might be able to hold you know, a couple of hundred articles in their head that are yep. relevant to the individual in front of them, but then to be able to calculate how those genes specifically are interacting with the weather right now is, is yeah. beyond any human mind. And this is where we can really use technology to crunch those 10,000 data points in a few seconds and yeah. come out with um, such specific answers that it, uh, it really takes all the guesswork out of it.
0: Yeah, I found that really fascinating. Uh, obviously, um, doing the the course recently as well. Um, the person next to me, um, he was talking about. Uh, he was, he's a local Wellington boy as well. He's talking about yeah. how he wants to move out of Wellington because the weather, the weather, the wind just really irritates him, and it's got to a point where it's just tipped him over. <laughs> and I couldn't believe it when it came up in his um in his profile that the least suited to his. Uh, bio trend or his uh, genetic expression was a high wind environment so you know a lot of these little things just keep popping up and and after you know about a dozen of these happening um, with both of us we're like okay there's a little bit more than uh coincidence going on here
1: <laughs> totally and And you know you know you get around in windy environments and just wondering why you're so pissed off all the time, and it turns <laughs> out that uh it's not actually that you're an angry person, it's just that the wind is too much, and you yeah. need to protect your neck. It's really interesting, you know oh, so
0: fascinating, yeah yeah, what I found for me actually was a whole lot of um it reinforced a lot of things that i I, I feel like I innately knew,
2: um, yeah.
0: But because, you know, all of the research is out there at the moment and there's these big blanket statements being put across like, you know, we should be eating like this or we should be training like this. um, You almost are taught to not trust that instinct um, as well. So I found this really reinforcing actually for myself and quite empowering. Fantastic. Which is interesting. So just um, moving back to embryology, uh, I find embryology fascinating. Um, Yeah. And I feel like there was a there is a real emphasis on this as well, as this can really you know physically shape you for the rest of your life. Uh, life. Am I correct there?
1: That's exactly right. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's well, at least it gives a, a really solid grounding into how mm. the develop how the body develops and how that will then influence its behaviour. That's right.
0: So does that come back? If you just explain that to the listeners as well, does that come back to literally your experience in your mother's womb? Is that right?
1: Very much so. So embryology is it. A topic that, uh, in essence, when, when you when there's first conception that occurs, uh, we start with one cell, which is the sperm and the egg that have, have fused together, and then it, that duplicates, becomes two, four, eight, and keeps keeps repeating until we hit sixty four cells. And at that point, in sixty four cells, it the, the cell says, "I now have enough information." It's a it's just a standard kind of cluster of sixty four cells. There's nothing special about those cells. At 64 it says I now have enough information that I want to make specific layers in my in my cell structure and what happens is it divides into three layers the ectoderm the mesoderm and the endoderm hmm. and in each of those layers different organs are actually growing so and you might know those terms ectomorph mesomorph yeah. endomorph oh. Um, and I'll, i I guess we can explain a little bit about that because it's very important to understanding PH360. Yeah. Um, but in
2: the,
1: in the ectoderm, uh, the things that are developing in that layer are the central nervous system and the skin, and that's it.
2: Uh,
1: whereas in the mesoderm, we have pretty much everything that's required for movement. We have the skeletal muscles, the ligaments, the tendons, the blood, the heart, uh, the bone, in fact. And we also have um, the adrenal glands and the reproductive glands. So, yeah. uh, in if you were just to if you were just to make a human out of that one uh, layer, you would make someone who is designed for really aggressive, competitive movement. With the yeah. adrenal glands being, you know, the and the testosterone being the competitive, uh, yeah. you know, aggression. Uh, with all of the different structures that are needed for really fast movement. Um, Whereas the ectoderm is central nervous system and skin only. You're going to create a really great thinker if you just isolated that layer.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, We then have the endoderm, which is the thyroid, the pancreas, the large intestine, uh, the the thymus, the prostate gland is also there as well, and the lungs. And what we see in the liver, I should say, and what we see in, uh, endo, in endomorphic type bodies, if we were just to isolate that layer and grow a person, we would see someone with actually bigger organs, bigger digestive organs, bigger liver, bigger, bigger pancreas. Yeah. Um, and so that's exactly what we see when uh, particular environments occur in the womb. And let's say that um, you know, a specific trigger says to something to, to the embryo and says, okay, I want you to turn on your ectodermic genes. And so you start producing predominantly a lot more ectodermic layer. So your yep. central nervous system becomes more predominant. And all of the other two layers, they don't develop as much. And so what we end up with is an ectodermic ectomorph with a very pronounced brain activity, but they don't have a lot of development of the, the skeletal muscle and the bones and mm. the ligaments the adrenal system and the 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 reproductive organs it's not to so say they don't have them and they yeah. still function obviously well it's not prioritized yeah. exactly and so mm. we have a body that's actually leaner more delicate less bone less muscle less fat tissue generally a smaller body with a very very strong brain but then mm. we then look at a the mesodermic genes if they get turned on then we end up with a quite a, a shorter, generally, because they've got more <laughs> testosterone, which shortens your growth, stunts your growth, um, in, a, in a very healthy way, yep. uh, and it makes you more nimble, more agile, more a little bit more competitive, a little bit more prone to a little bit of fireiness, but a very, very active, a very mobile body because all of those tissues are about movement. Yep. Whereas When the endodermic uh, cells are turned on by by, triggered by the environment, then we create a body that's better at conserving mass, better at metabolizing food, better at uh, doing those things that those organs do, slowing our metabolism down through our thyroid function. We end up with a bigger body, a more stable body, one that's designed to conserve. And then what we also see are combinations of those. So we see an ectomezo, you know, a movement type body combined with a, a brainy type body, and we end up with you know, the, the combination. We then have a mesoendo and we also have ectoendo. And these combinations form the six major biotypes that we yep. call. And and what we see in these biotypes are a, a tendency to have particular neurological profiles, particular muscle physiology profiles, particular neuro nutrigenomic profiles, and also uh, particular hormonal profiles that really dictate how all of those systems work as well. So um, obviously, we're not summarizing everyone into six groups. Uh, there's actually uh, right now there's 72, and in time there'll be 360 uh, very different skeletal ratios uh, that mm-hmm. that help determine what level of meso endo, ecto are they. Uh, but right now. Um, you know there are over eight billion different options because once you might even you might have the same layers that develop the same amount which create a certain shape of your body as it develops, but then you've got different eye color and different hair color and different liver enzymes yeah. that all then require something different as well. And so in this way, these fifteen layers of the fifteen sciences overlay 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 until you end up with a completely different individual, even if they've got. You know, a similar predominance of ectomesodermic layer. Um so obviously this is hard without a picture, but hopefully yeah. that gives you a, a I can attach
0: that in the show notes.
1: Of the information for sure. Yeah. Yeah I'll, yeah yeah.
0: I'll put on. yeah. Well, that's that's fascinating. And um you know going through these uh, these biotypes or biotrends, um it just helps explain why, you know, certain diets work for some people, certain diets don't work for others, certain exercise regimes work for some and not others and um, sleep patterns you know where once again we talk we talk about the um, the human uh, chronological sort of clock and um, yeah. and it 's just fascinating to see how different that can be and when people start following it, how um, their health can really be flipped upside down you know you 're not fighting your physiology anymore
2: yeah
1: exactly and that 's probably one of the most powerful things is uh, so many people are disconnected from their bodies. Um, so many people, uh, have been doing a certain thing for a long time, whether it be good or bad, uh, and, and they actually lose, lose touch with what is, is actually right for their body. Uh, and so this, this is effectively a roadmap to get back to that a whole lot faster.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's great. So yeah, that, that once again, that sort of explains why one man's medicine is another man's poison. Right, so for example, yeah, you know, there's so much confusing. It must be so confusing for so many people, and that's what I think okay. because there's there's one study that says this, and then, then another study that's equally as convincing says this, and you start to wonder, okay, you know, how was the study conducted? But what were the populations that were being tested here as well? So you know, one example is is coffee, and I'm pretty sure you have mentioned this before. You know, it can be beneficial for some people to have some great health benefits, but with other people, there's a certain gene. Um, that helps you assimilate uh, sorry digest that a little bit uh, more effectively is that right and when that's not working well um, it can have negative health consequences
1: yeah that's exactly right mm. so um, uh, different bodies will yeah and like that's that's just one one very simple example yeah. as well and that that extends to lots of different nutrients
2: yeah.
1: uh, and and lots of even different exercise modalities and even
2: yeah.
1: sleep timing as well so we've got genes that are a coding in our body for, um, how we're going to metabolize, uh, carbohydrates, for example, um, how we're going to metabolize, uh, even things like cruciferous vegetables, green leafy vegetables. Um, and so, uh, you know, just to to pick up a couple of those, we've got uh, some people who can actually slow down their metabolism a touch, uh, if they're having lots of kale and lots of broccoli,
2: um,
1: Whereas for other individuals, uh, and it can actually create skin problems and acne um, mm. for, for some individuals as well, if, if their livers not not suited to those types of foods. Uh, whereas other people, it's actually essential that they get those for the sulfur compounds for the cartilage and for the for actually people who have a uh, organs that need to slow down a little bit. They can actually be quite assistive to that as well. So yeah. uh, this is this is where the whole idea. That a food is good or bad is actually not true it's just as to yeah. whether it is it is the right food for you is yeah. the important thing exactly. um obviously there's foods that aren't good for anyone but
2: uh exactly
1: yeah and the same deal goes for exercise as well so yeah you know, there's been some incredible research just if you train people um for particular exercises that suit their genes then they get phenomenal results three times better than the average and then Mm. if you take someone who has genetics that aren't designed for that um then they will get that will sometimes make them less fit just because they're doing exactly the same exercise and how depressing is that you know you're (laughs) (laughs) pushing
0: harder and going backwards
1: exactly you know and and wondering why this is so hard and then when as soon as you give the advice or have the access to the information that you know, this is going to be suitable for you. It completely opens their mind and makes it a bit a better life for them straight away.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, just to uh, go back to the PH three hundred and sixty. So, could you please talk us through, um, you know, what the future holds for PH three hundred and sixty and what the, actually what the current vision is? I'd like to know a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah. Cool. So um, this is probably one of the more exciting things. I'm a I'm an ectomezo, and <laughs> uh, one of, one of the big things about the brain structure of an ectomezo is crusader. that they're very, yeah, crusader. We call them the crusader. <laughs> uh, they're very future focused. So um, understanding what's coming and and having a big picture is really really important to me, and uh, and and that really motivates my brain. So. Uh, what and probably the best thing to understand is PH360's vision is to eliminate chronic disease and pain by the year 2050 and allow people to live in their optimized body. So, um, we have now so much science that can tell us how we do that. But one of the biggest problems with that is our current culture takes us away from that. You know, we have predominance mm. of advertisements on TV telling us to eat crap food. Yeah, We have this weird social pressure that we need to eat crap food to not put people out. And you drink know, heaps of
0: alcohol. Yeah.
2: Things.
1: Exactly. You know, just to feel better about ourselves. Yeah. So there needs to be a huge community shift, a cultural shift as well. And so PH three sixty, the company, as opposed to just the platform, Ph three sixty the platform is a tool that can help us provide the information. But then we're we're running um Edu- we're running different education systems. We're actually trialling a different education system in Mexico at the moment, where people learn the way their brain is designed to learn. From day dot, we're talking about um, setting up, uh, you know, workstations where people can come and live for their uh, live for their brain in the way that they go about their work, so that they're they're in the right place at the mm. right time, in the work that's suited to them. Where we're running uh, education and programs on conscious parenting. Uh, we're also involved in governments internationally um, with china with the u s with the u s army uh, over in europe uh, with a lot of the medical system over there as well uh, there's been chats in australia with um, with health ministers about how uh, we can personalize health at a public level um, because if we we need a different conversation we need a different conversation around what is right for one person isn't necessarily yep. right for the other person. Yep. And uh, the the PH360 mission and vision is to really change that conversation. And so we've got huge players, whether it be in big uh, health insurance, uh, whether it be in medical systems, uh, where slowly we're, we're inserting that message and we're also inserting the intelligence of the science um, and that AI component to understanding health um, so that we can actually... Attack this cultural issue that we have as well, and really create a sustainable environment where people find it easy and obvious to yeah. actually execute on this stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. particularly interesting in uh, education and uh, children. I think that could really change future generations for the better. It's pretty exciting stuff.
1: Well, totally. You know, we have a big issue that the mesomorphic, or we call the activator type body. Yeah. Um, we have uh, they they actually they learn best when they're moving. Mm. and these are kids that are often you know pinpointed for add because they can't sit still but in fact the whole reason their body is developing the way it is is to move and to move fast and to move often and making kids sit down we're actually limiting physical exercise so that they sit down and listen and if we got them up and learning the exact same stuff we'd be able to teach them uh in a third of the time if they were doing movement at the same time as that so just understanding things like that, mm. it creates a completely different environment. And even yeah. last night, I was sitting with a client um, to be super up to date, and uh, <laughs> he was a, 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 on the cusp of a endo and mezzo, which is, he was actually a connector, which are, are very much about movement as well, and yep. social interactions is one of their big drivers. And we saw with them that um, he needed, he, he, was tr- he was marked as ADD as a kid. And then we said, well, this is why. He's like, that makes so much sense. I feel so much better when I'm moving all of the time. So just this understanding that some kids can sit down all day and learn, other kids Mm. can't. And and it's actually healthy for them to not be sitting down and to be doing less learning and more moving, but hopefully both at the same time.
0: Uh, Yeah. It's something I've noticed um, personally as well, and it was really reinforcing for me Um, before uh, doing the course. I i was getting quite grumpy because i wasn't getting enough movement in my in my uh my day and i started to get actually quite you know um cantankerous i'd say um just because i felt like and i knew that i needed movement and that sort of just reinforced it to me as to you know how important that is and speaking from my own perspective i think it's important that other people around you understand how important that can be as well so you know the employee uh, sorry the employer or you know your work colleagues or your partner you know there must be so much value in them understanding um, your genetic makeup as well or your genetic expression and, and you know what's going to work for you
1: absolutely that under the level of understanding that we get you know we've trained uh, quite a few hundred uh, health professionals around the around the world now and every single time we train one they have insights about their family they have mm. insights about their work habits and even personally, I've worked with a number of companies who, um, you know, we go through their profile and we say, right, what is your brain really good at? What is mm. your brain designed to do? And uh, what we see is that people who are happy in their job are actually doing what's in their profile. Yeah. Um, and then we have conversations about how can we actually support this person to use their brain the way they're designed to use it. And mm. the, the, the sense of relief that people have, instead of turning up to a job that they're not designed for to do, uh, they're actually turning up to do a job now that they absolutely love. And just having that intel from a HR point of view, it means better retention, it yep. means better productivity yep. out of brains. And then also we've got this stuff on the nutrition and exercise, which dramatically improves their health yep. so that they're having less sick days. So yep. the application of this in all forms of culture is mm is as is, is amazing and, and the resources that we have particularly uh you know um and working in with you guys as well um i know that you've got uh, some great involvement with health fit collective yeah. uh the you know working in that space and um being able to apply all levels of science mm. it just makes a huge difference to Definitely. to employers happiness for yeah, sure
0: for sure so i've got a few uh questions here um from some of my listeners so mm. this one has come from multiple people, actually. So what are they going to get from, uh, you know, pH 360 platform that they're not going to get from a genetic spit test?
1: Sure. So the genetic spit test is just measuring DNA. So you mm. could do a spit test when you're one uh, and get your DNA, and that test will be exactly the same when you're 70. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, a one-year-old, Actually, that's a bad example because one-year-olds do eat a lot of mushed-up food, as do some seventy-year-olds as well. <laughs> However, they still they still have different requirements, being at a different age. So, yeah. thirty-five to a one-year-old, they need completely different things. Mm. And so, um, while the and the DNA itself will maybe give you a sixty percent reduction in this, or a seventy percent reduction, because there's twenty-five thousand genes. There's literally hundreds of thousands of of SNPs they're called, or variations of those genes as well. Yeah. The science isn't actually there where we can say, oh, if you've got this one gene, you're guaranteed of this. It just doesn't occur like that. And when we try and model 300,000 different options, there's not a machine on the planet that can actually do that many calculations. Mm. What PH360 does is it actually takes uh, relationships from the shape of your body, which tells an enormous amount about your hormonal level, your current health state, and then it's able to reverse engineer your genetic information. So effectively, you get the same information from a spit test, but you get it in context with your current health and with the context of how your body has developed so that we can then have very informed decisions around, well, I've got these genes. These genes are currently doing this to my health. So in order for me to get back to my optimal health, I need to follow X, Y, Z.
0: And that's forever changing as well.
1: Exactly as we mm. age your health changes dramatically if you get a, a specific health condition pH 360, or will, will if you pop it into the machine it will actually then change your outputs we've had people uh, from one month to the next have such a dramatic change in their health that their whole food list has completely shifted uh, because now their body is in a better state and so this is what you don't get from a spit test you don't get that change in output yeah. uh, and the benefit of pH is it actually includes all of the information from the spit test Uh, but it uh, it then gives an interpretation in context with your current health, and that's the most important important factor. Mm. And with the the power of the ancient medicine, and this is what the 10 years of research has gone into, with those principles, we can actually uh, short-circuit a lot of the understanding of how genes work together because there's an enormous amount of genetic information in those principles if you test them correctly. And so with those principles, we can start making much more specific uh, and individualized algorithms that are are right exactly for you as opposed to still a percentage-based model, which is a spit test only.
0: That's a great answer. Uh, I've got another one here from Kane saying, um, what happens if your goals or your requirements uh, don't align with your physiology? (laughs) That's a huge question, obviously.
1: Yeah, that's a a cracker. And the first thing that you'll know is that your body doesn't respond the way you want it to. Yeah. So, um, a, a lot of this is, uh, so if it, it just depends on those goals, actually, there's a couple mm-hmm. of ways of answering this. The, yeah. the, the hope that I'm going to put a bit of hope into this. Yep. Uh, and that <laughs> is if you are a, uh, an endomorphic type body, yep. um, and you want to run a marathon, Uh, Your body naturally is not designed to run at the same speed as a crusader's body would run, which is the typical marathon runner is like that. But let's say that you're a guardian, or we call a pure endomorphic guardian. They've got the biggest body, the the most amount of fat tissue, the most amount of muscle, the most amount of bone, and they've got a conservation type body. They're very good at lifting things that are heavy, Mm. and they're good at doing things at a very slow, steady pace from a physical point of view, and, and not a whole lot in between. So if your goal is to run a marathon, what the information you would get is, well, okay, this isn't exactly the best thing that you could be doing. It's not precisely what you should be doing to try and run at marathon speed like a crusader. (laughs) If you are going to run it, the expectation is that if you can get a slow and steady pace, you will be able to really finish it very, very well. Yeah. with with a, a really realistic expectation of what your body's capable of. Now, I'm not saying that a guardian out there couldn't win a marathon race at the Olympics. I'm just saying history has told us that it always is a particular body shape that wins those races. So, yep. in, in in a lot of ways, you can do anything you want, but it, you can actually adapt your training. So that yep. that same that marathon runner who's winning would run marathons to help, like mm. they just do marathon running. That's what their training yep. should consist of. But for a, a guardian they should be lifting big weights and they should be doing slow, steady running or slow, steady walking uh, to train their cardiovascular system. They have very different training modalities so that they can still achieve the same goal, but also they get expect uh, the right expectation around what their body's designed to do. So that's the, the first thing. The second thing is that people who are using their body for something that it's not completely designed for could actually be causing themselves ill health.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: this is a really important thing You know, on two levels, I guess I'll give two examples. One is a person who says, no, I'm an absolute early bird. I have to wake up early every morning uh, to go and do my boot camp. And this is an example of a very good friend of mine from New Zealand, in fact. Um, She was doing a boot camp for 12 weeks, um, 5.30 in the morning every morning. She was Three mornings a week she was getting up and doing it. She was having a low-calorie meal intake, high-protein, which is really standard for most weight loss. Um, And her, her goals were to lose weight, but... Her her body is actually a night owl, and night owls are really, really good at training in the, in the evening, and it actually stresses their body to train, train in the morning. Yeah. And so she was going to training every morning, and she was training cold, which is really bad specifically for mm. her cold, and her system as well. It actually makes her retain fluid if she stresses in the morning. Yep. Uh, and then she was still staying up later because she can because she's a night owl, not getting as much sleep. Um, so after 12 weeks, she had a bad knee and gained half a kilo of body weight. Yeah. Uh, and, and her goals were to lose weight. It was the method of which she was trying to achieve that weren't bang on. So what we did, we said, look, I want you to stop training in the morning. I want you to sleep in. And we actually got the husband to look after the kids first thing in the morning so she could have a bit more of a sleep in. She just went for a gentle walk in the evening um, and started changing her foods just for better timing. She wanted the goal of losing weight. Uh, And she lost two kilos in the first week, another two kilos in the second week after 12 weeks of bashing her head against the wall and getting injured and weight gain. And it was just a matter of understanding what's right for that body so you could adjust it. So anything can be achieved Mm. by any body. But what it does is it gives you a much more specific pathway on how you can achieve that the best that your body's capable of. Uh, And really, probably importantly, I would say, is it gives you guidance on this is what your body is going to be amazing at, and if you try this, you're going to be you're going to be good at it. Yeah, um, so you're you going to thrive. If you want to be easily successful, this is the way to go, and it really plays to your strength as well. It makes life actually less stressful,
0: which is great. what it all like. up. Great answer, great answer, and great examples. Thanks, Cam. Um, I've got another one here from from Paula. Um, she said both of her parents had bowel cancer. Um. She's wondering if it was because of a certain type of food, if it was uh, because of a certain type of lifestyle, does that mean she's probably going to get the same bowel cancer? And <laughs> um, what could someone do to uh, help minimize that? Obviously, there's going to be, you know, specific to the individual, but are there certain gene activators, do you think, um, that someone like Paula could um, could apply or could could be aware of?
1: Sure thing. So um, definitely if both parents have had bowel cancer, um, it's going to increase your risk. There's a, there's a strong hereditary link between, uh, you know, parental parental diseases and the yep. diseases that you're likely to have as well. So no doubt about that. But bowel cancer is one of those conditions that's actually controlled by the environment. So mm. um, uh, the while the, the gene might be there, it doesn't need to turn on. Yeah. And this is the, the most important thing is that if you can provide the right environment, then you might have a whole bunch of diabetes genes or bowel cancer genes mm. or Alzheimer's genes. But if you know what environment is going to keep those genes turned off, and this is more than nutrition and exercise, it's the way you use your yeah. brain, it's the way you use your social, all that stuff that we've spoken about. Then that that gene doesn't have to express, and so it doesn't have to become a reality for you as a disease. As far as the the question on what shoots should, should I eat or not eat to decrease my probability of having cancer, this is the beauty of having PH360 yeah. is because that and to every question that I get on this, it it depends. Yeah. It depends 100%. on you. It depends on your genetics. It depends on your current health state right now, and. uh the the simplest way of figuring out what foods are right for you is literally to go and do your pH three sixty profile um, and and get involved with a a, a pH three sixty health professional yeah. who can then guide you through the bigger chunks of that information so that you can get on track with it um, this is this is what's going to be your answer to if nutrition has a role in bowel cancer the uh, this is about putting yeah. that safety down and not having to guess about those foods. Because yeah. I would literally be guessing without knowing who Paula is. Yeah, I can course. say that eating red meat is going to cause bowel cancer, but for some someone else, it's not. But yeah. for them, it might be. And there'll be – so uh, it's not that foods are good or bad. It's not that foods cause yeah. cancer or don't cause cancer. It's whether it triggers your genes in a particular way. So mm. uh, just – and finally, so I can see this question on, on Facebook as well um, – the foods to eat, recovering from chemotherapy and things like that. That's definitely something you should have a chat to a, a, a dietitian in that space. Uh, however, in, in my experience, um, putting the right foods in based on your body and your genetics is actually uh, is actually something that pH three sixty can help with as well. But I would I would do it in conjunction with the help of a dietitian who's who's familiar with that area and also uh, personalized
0: health as well. Great answer, thanks, Kim. And just to clarify, that was a question um, about. Um, chemotherapy what, what one should best eat for chemotherapy so that's oh, great. Yeah, Thank, sure. thanks, thanks for uh <laughs> for reading that one i think <laughs> you're one step ahead of me there cam <laughs> yeah, <don't you> know. <laughs> so um just to summarize um sorry we know there's a lot of individuality right so you know same size does not fit all in terms of basically every element of life but are there yep. certain blanket statements we can make around what we should absolutely not do and what we should absolutely do
1: absolutely there is
0: yeah a so, lot of absolutely uh,
1: there is not a conversation uh in ph 360 about whether you know refined sugar is good for people or not good for people um categorically for 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 gene types it's a it's recommended that we reduce it yeah so um same same for uh you know uh, deep fried foods you know those types of in, in this industrial foods with a whole lot of additives yeah,
0: food like uh, substances
1: <laughs> pres- pres- exactly yeah preservatives <laughs> anything that has gone into a factory and had non-plant grown chemicals added to it um, is, is not going to be good for the human condition yeah. Yeah. Um, similarly you know the the accumulation of plastics and uh, you know, standing by in a HANA car and breathing in the exhaust <laughs> is not advisable, but those those types of things, you know, what we do know is absolutely great for individuals is, number one, uh, being as close to nature as possible mm. um, and, and, you know, out in the forests or near oceans or uh, just in, in a place that is free from uh, human pollution and getting out there and you know, taking a day trip out of the city is a really important thing for everyone and we should be doing it a lot more. Um, Definitely having great communication in your social life, your work life, and in your, your personal dialogue that's happening inside your head, having healthy thoughts is suitable for everybody. Um, and that happens through great communication and awareness. That's always going to be good for everybody. Mm -hmm. And, and all PH360 does is it, it, it informs that conversation in a much more advanced way. Um, the, the other things that are absolutely fantastic for the body is, movement of some description there's no body that is um a allergic to a seat. <laughs> exactly um so but, but it just depends on the kind of movement that you do but any movement is better than uh than the no movement uh as long as it well actually i'm going to qualify that uh sitting on a couch all day uh is going to be beaten by standing up frequently um and so yep the body in movement is much better then when you start to move pretty much anything will do but if you want to get results a lot faster doing the thing that's appropriate for you is better um and then i would say on a on a greater level as well uh, because i've sort of covered i wanted to cover sort of the nutrition side of things that are absolutely good we know vegetables are great for everybody it just depends on what vegetables are right for you we know fruit is great for everybody just depends on what fruit is going to be best for you there's Better yeah. ways you can invest your fruit money um, with certain proteins. Some proteins are, are not great for some individuals, but they're okay for others. So uh, those types of those types of things are fairly clear. Movement. I wanted to cover movement really, uh, and and the the communication side of your psychological health is mm. is very consistently important. Um, and what I would say as well is the mindset around health is probably one of the most important things. And I, and I'll just say that. Um, Having a have-to attitude versus a want-to attitude is going to make a huge difference to your success and failure of any awesome. health intervention. So if you've got a, uh, you know, I have to do this because um, I feel fat, or I have to do this because my doctor said, or I have to do this because it says it on my PH360 profile, or I have to do it because all my friends are doing it, what have-to does is it creates a deprivation. And when we get into deprivation, we start craving. And so uh, switching that to a want-to, you know, I Great. want offensive result for my health. I want to feel fantastic. I want to eat the spinach because it's going to provide that for me. Having a want to beautiful. is going to be the difference between you doing this long term and uh and short term. So, so um good. those are things that we we absolutely mm. need to be considering when we're looking at these.
0: So things. that's great, man. Thank you so much. And also I guess that's sort of you know mindset and perception basically, isn't it? So that's that's brilliant. I'm so glad you yeah. touched on that. Um, Cam, So I ask every single person on the show one question, and or the same question, and that is, if you could inject every single person on the planet with an idea, um, a question, or some piece of information, uh, what would that be?
1: Excellent. Yeah, I've I've heard this on a number of your podcasts. <laughs> I had completely forgotten about it until this <laughs> caught you off time. guard. However, still, um, the the thing, the question that I would love everyone to ask. Um, before they open their mouth to eat, open their mouth to speak, um, put their shoes on to go for a run, is what are the things that I need to be aware of so that I can support my body in its uh, for its best outcome? And what are the things that I can be aware of so that I can support the people around me to do the things that are best for them as well? So uh, it's very much about, well, that that's the end of the question. You can figure out the answer yourself,
0: mm-hmm. I guess. Oh, that's great. (laughs) So much wisdom there. Thanks again, Cam, uh, for joining us today. Um, You're a wealth of knowledge, and um, I feel really privileged to be a part of of what you're doing as well. Um, So I encourage everyone listening to go along and check out PH360. I'll put up links. Um, We'll be doing some of this through through HealthFit soon as well. So uh, we'll keep posted on that. Um, What are you working on now, Cam, and where can people find you?
1: Yeah so um the big the big job is um is making sure our health professionals are as informed as possible around the around Australia and New Zealand and then around the world so uh we're putting together an incredible curriculum next year that really gets very specific for nutrition the mind and exercise as three different sort of information sets at the moment we've been running the one course for everyone which is completely against our ethos <laughs> um <laughs> however it's, it's been very very effective running it that way uh, and our next step is really developing the curriculum into getting much more specific so that health professionals in their specialties can really do that um, probably the we're running 12 conferences next year through Australia and New Zealand uh, many more in in internationally as well and uh, one of the things I'm really really um, excited about is um, running the the retreats that we do which are uh allowing people to live for their genes and uh having involvement at a global level with that and also educating uh, much higher level individuals with the the medical series that we run too so uh for any of that information if you wanted to just stay abreast um we we keep those updates coming on the the PH360 health and medical professional page which is a facebook page it's ph360 health and medical professional page and um and if any questions you've got around this stuff and getting involved uh getting your own profile done we can we can help you out through that that mode of communication
0: thanks again cam it's been an absolute pleasure um wish you all the best on your crusade and I uh, look forward to following your journey.
1: <laughs> Thanks so much, mate, and it's such a such an honour to be on here with you and and uh, and talking about some really exciting things. So I really appreciate uh, you reaching out and and putting this to me.
0: Oh, that's great. Thanks, Cam.